Jane Prouse Bishop and this is The Virtual Business Show. Recently a question was asked on one of the groups that I belong to what reason people had for not actually starting their business. Some of the reasons given were you know, confidence, am I good enough, fear, will it work, fear of not getting clients, not being able to do it, not succeeding, not knowing how to do it, uh, mindset issues, procrastination, being able to market yourself or a, even a return on that investment, you know, is it going to be worth it in the end? And, and the juggling act, how to work full or part-time, uh, start a practice and look after your kids. So I thought that maybe for this show, I would share with you how I did it back in 1999. Before I get started, though, I will say the very first thing you need to decide is, are you starting a business because you want to run your own business, work for yourself, be available for kids, have autonomy or whatever your reason is, or because you want some extra money to pad your full-time job? If it's the second one, then it's safe to say you can expect a juggling act, and it's also safe to say you are not a business owner. And by definition, you're not a VA. If you're not sure of the definition, one that was arrived at very early on in the industry was, a VA is a business owner, a highly skilled independent professional entrepreneur who provides remote administrative, technical and or creative business support services to clients locally, nationally or globally. Now, I'm not advocating that you go all in at the outset, but what I am saying is, if working for yourself and no one else is your end goal for whatever reason, then you need to think and act like a business owner, not an employee. If you have a full-time job and you don't want to leave it, but you also want to be this thing you've heard of, a VA, and do some work from home for some extra cash, that's not a VA. That's a hobby. And you will always have an employee mindset and that will hamper your business growth. As I've said before, you can have a part-time business, but again, that's a hobby. So how did I do it? My work history was as a secretary, eventually working my way up to executive PA roles. I worked in the legal industry, including criminal law and also in hospitality as the PA to the general manager of a convention centre. I worked long hours and I was paid well. I loved my work, not necessarily the job, but the people that I worked with. Then I fell pregnant with my daughter. We had planned for this, made what we thought were all the right arrangements for when I would need to go on maternity leave so that we were covered for mortgage repayments and other debts, now that we would be on one income for the next 12 months. My plan was 12 months leave, And remember, this was when there was no paid maternity leave. So we had to make sure we were financially able to cover our expenses. There was also no baby bonus. I had to book my um, unborn child into daycare centres. And at the time, I think I booked her into eight when I was 12 weeks pregnant, telling them that I would need their services for full-time care when I returned to work in 18 months' time. So I went on an 18-month waiting list. By the time I needed the daycare, I was actually offered a place at two of those centres, but just for two days a week. So this was not going to fly. By the time my daughter was six months old, we knew that we weren't going to make it to the 12-month magic mark. We were running out of money. I asked my boss whether I could return to work six months early, working two days a week since I had the daycare for that time. I even suggested this weird notion of working the other three days from home. He could not understand how that could work. 
I even put together a document that detailed how I proposed all of my KPIs of my job would be met with me working two days on site and three off. His only comment to me at the time was, see, this document right here, this is why I need you back. And he suggested we wait until my 12 months was up and I come back full time then. I reiterated to him that I didn't have full-time daycare, and so that wouldn't work. He insisted we wait another six months. I insisted we needed my income, so we were at an impasse, and I resigned. So now what? We had a baby to care for. I had no job. I was unlikely to get one with a baby in tow. I was used to being the one who brought in the bigger income, so this was a big hit for us. Then one day I said to my husband, you know what our problem is? We're trying to replace my income. But do we need to replace my income? Like, really? So we sat down and we did the figures. How much did I really need to be bringing in to help cover our expenses? And that turned out to be, ironically, just two days a week. I only needed to work two days a week to bring in enough to cover the daycare and help with our other obligations. As soon as I changed my mindset about what we truly needed, a whole lot of other options opened up. I was able to take a job share role with a law firm working two days a week, so money was still coming in, and we weren't under that immediate financial pressure. And then I thought, hang on, all this stuff I put together for working from home, back then it wasn't called working virtually, just because my boss couldn't see how it would work didn't mean it wouldn't work. So I began researching working from home as a secretary. I had the equipment I needed to get started, a computer, a phone and a desk, plus my previous experience. Now let me pause here and remind you that this was at a time when there was no such thing as telecommuting or flexible work arrangements. Back then, if you worked from home, you weren't considered really working. We had only dial-up internet, which meant downloading emails took place overnight. And hopefully, you were lucky and your connection didn't drop out and you'd have to start again in the morning. And 99% of the tech and apps that you take for granted now in your practice didn't even exist. So back to the story. I worked two days a week, and on the other days while caring for my child and having fun with her, I did the research. Surely other people were doing this. I discovered that indeed other people were doing this, mostly in the US where working remotely was favoured particularly by um, military wives. I discovered that only a few years before, in 1992, Thomas Leonard had coined the phrase virtual assistant to refer to his remote assistant, Stacey Bryce. I found a Clayton secretary, which was a group founded by Kathy Thomas from Victoria in 1996, and I immediately joined her. I then also found the International Association of Virtual Office Assistants, which was founded in 1999, and I joined them since I believe there was no reason why I couldn't work for international clients too. So even before looking for clients, I joined organisations who could support me in my journey. Then I began thinking about who I wanted to work with. I decided my background meant my ideal client would be an independent person, someone working for themselves who didn't have admin support but could use it. I contacted the chairman of the board of the convention centre I worked with to let him know what I was doing and he signed up immediately. He then referred another two of his director friends to me and within 18 months I had more than replaced the income from my job share role, so I resigned from there and threw myself 100% into my practice. Over the years, as technology has advanced, my practice has morphed and changed from what it began as and in those early days, even digital transcription was almost witchcraft. I recall hearing about it and so I went into the Sony Centre in the city and I asked what I needed to be able to provide that service. 
and I was told by them, oh, that'll never take off. It's really only used by big top end of town businesses like large law firms. So like, it's so expensive. So like, you know, I wouldn't even worry about it. Luckily for me, I followed up and I found a digital transcription solution that was being innovated by an entrepreneur in Coffs Harbour in New South Wales. And he asked me to beta test the product for him. Note that I didn't have a coach. They barely even existed back then. I didn't go and get specialist VA training. I had skills I knew would transition to a home-based environment that could be delivered remotely with equipment I already had at home, and I needed to go and market myself. That is not to say that training is bad. That is not what I am saying at all. Continuing education is vital. So I still do training in different software programs I might want to use, in business concepts, different technologies and so on. But the core skills I needed to be a VA and provide those services to others, I already had. I didn't throw myself into my practice 100% from the get-go. I recommend to all newbie VAs not to give up their day job. So they have a source of income, but that doesn't mean it has to be a full-time job. And you may find part-time or casual is actually enough. If you have literally no skills, then being a VA is not for you. You can't leave school and start a VA practice. Having some admin and office experience will help you know the basics of the service you'll be offering. It's like you can't attend a webinar and then pronounce to the world you are the next best webinar host and you can provide these services for your clients. Or you throw together a Wix website and all of a sudden you're a web design guru. Or you've been in business two years and start to call yourself a coach of newbie VAs on how they should run their successful business. If you've been going two years, if you haven't made enough profit to put in a tax return yet, you're not yet a successful business owner. I've mentioned the statistics before, that according to the Small Business Association, about 30% of new businesses failed during the first two years, 50% during the first five, and 66% during the first 10. So you can't really call yourself a successful business owner unless you've been going for at least that five-year mark. I've shared my five tips for starting your VA practice on the show before, but the very first thing you need to do is change your mindset. Think like a business owner, not an employee. But don't leave work right away. I'm not suggesting that. Understand the realities of business failure so you don't go all out and crash and burn in those first few years. Going back to what prevents people getting started, the big one there that we heard was fear. Fear of failure, fear of not being good enough, fear of not getting things right, lack of confidence in themselves and their abilities. Lucky for those starting out now, you have a huge amount of information, online courses, webinars and VA industry mentors who can help you get started, who can give you advice on how to market your business, how to network and get clients, how to keep them. All the things those of us who began many years ago had to kind of learn on the fly. Don't be afraid to ask. No one expects you to do it all alone. Be sure you check the credentials, though, of who you ask. They will need a proven track record working as a VA successfully before you start taking their advice. But the VA industry is one of the most inclusive, supportive industries there is. Remember, if you go in with a competitive mindset out to undercut and beat fellow VAs, you won't last long either. Good luck with your VA journey. Share in the comments how you got started or what's holding you back. Thanks so much for listening. 